heavy episode uh, sort of talking current affairs and I don't want to necessarily say mincing words but we were very careful to not have any of our words misconstrued and I'm very glad that in this episode um, it's sort of a classic history and how it relates to what's going on right now in South America so we can you know what? We we can use some we can use some less stilted and careful. Wait, so I do do I get to use do I get to use homophobic slurs against uh, uh, Latin American military dictators? Only if you actually know that they were gay. Otherwise, uh, it's sort of disparaging. It's it's it's. I think it's like a shot. Of, it's. I don't know. I mean, I literally no, I cannot punch that. down in that regard. And you Fair know what? Enough. I honestly think if they were gay, right? Like, I think that would be kind of a loser thing to use homophobic slurs against them. I mean, but, like, that would just mean that they're, like, one level more of Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, okay, true enough. Like, it it just, it means, like, the, yeah, the, the insane, like, meritocracy-addicted, neoliberal, like, lizards grown in a lab underneath the Pentagon, um... It you know they're just now all in South America too. It means that there's like some sort of like epidemic yeah. of uh, of Pete Buttigieg. No, I just think it's funnier you know to call someone like rapidly reactionary and also like probably straight like Strassner uh, a slur. Which by the way, just to clarify to the listeners, I do have a right to use. I think it would be funnier to call Strassner a fan. <laughs> <laughs> than to call somebody who like I would never you know call you know Pete that, even though I hate him, right? Because it's just like okay, so like straight people probably call him that. Whereas I don't think anybody has ever called Strassner. But see, I think you're forgetting about that like section of like the the sort of liberal criticisms of reactionaries that will be like, oh wow, he's homophobic. I bet he's secretly gay, and that's owning oh, him. Oh, you know what? You're right. right? Like so, all the Trump so having I think, sex like, with Putin pictures. Right, like all those incredible, yeah, like all those insanely homophobic memes about, oh, haha, Trump and Putin are, are they're fucking each other. And Putin is and that's, doming that's Trump the, in leather. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, you know what? If you If you would rather have Trump be like a sexual object, like as opposed to like the president of the United States, that's fair. Yeah. I think if we're gonna if we're gonna bimbofy anyone in the United States at that level, I think Donald Trump is like look. The Donald Trump is the hottest president. I don't know really how to respond to that. <laughs> I think no. I I I think most presidents have been like profoundly unattractive people. I'm trying to rack my brain. Ulysses like, oh, S. Grant. Official, Ulysses S. Grant kind of looked a bit. Those official portraits are very flattering. Yeah. Ulysses S. Grant. Except for, right. I mean, Trump's Trump's official portrait is hilarious. It's really funny. He's got he's got his grin. Yeah. But Obama looked know, all like right, and like some of them looked exactly. all right. Exactly. Like not... Joe Biden looked good when he was young. Yeah. But... Yeah. He looked he looked great when he was uh, you know, pounding the drum about. What what was what was that term that you would get yelled at for bringing up in the primary? It was like super predators or yeah. something. Yeah, super predators. When he's banging on about super predators and why we need to, you know, incarcerate people for minor, dr- mostly like black and brown people for minor drug offenses in the nineties. Um, he looked great yeah. there. I mean, he he had most of his hair. I mean, he was you know no sign of a stutter or anything which is very yeah odd, it's kind of weird um, how he developed that at the age when some people would start to develop like hearing like memory loss and dementia yeah that's it's kind of weird that instead of know. getting that think, he just uh, got a, a stutter the 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 clip of him today where he was driving the electric <laughs> truck 
and the the reporters are like asking him for a comment on Israel or whatever, and he's just like, "I will run you, you over gonna... in my truck." Yeah, he's like, "I will run you over," and then he's like, "No, I'm just teasing," which is a hilarious. You know what though? Like, it. he's probably right. And then, but all like everyone that isn't like an, a Bidenist was losing their minds at this. Like, oh my god, he just threatened to run over reporters. Like, it was really funny to see like a bunch of Republicans who've spent the last like two year two to three years probably justifying like if there's antifa around your pickup truck you can just floor it and you should be able to do yeah. that and then as soon as joe biden cracks a joke about oh haha ha, this electric car is so powerful i might run a reporter over it's like oh, oh my I, god guys he's a communist he's coming for I the think, press like <laughs> i think look i honestly man like i think joe biden is pretty funny i think that Obviously, it's, like, completely messed up that he just approved a $700 million arms sale to Israel and will not even talk about it. But I think that, like, yeah. making jokes about but running it... reporters over on your electric truck is, like... <laughs> and first of all, it's, like, peak Biden humor. Like, that is Biden humor, oh, yeah. and I think it's incredibly good, right? Like, we were man, all worried man, that he wasn't going to be a funny president. Drive. And he's a funny president. I mean, what? yeah, when they when they let him out, you know? Yeah. Like, the, the problem is that with... with with Trump, it was like he was always out yeah. there, right? Like he was always like you had him like shooting free throws of paper towels into crowds in fucking Puerto Rico, the you know wettest hurricane we've ever seen in terms of water, the inauguration like crowd size thing. You had all these amazing moments that we were just inundated. Well, it's because with. nobody was able and, to like, control Trump except for except for Steve yeah. Mnuchin. Whereas, like, he, he, he had, he, look, am I wrong? Like, like everyone like a, joined the Trump administration being like, I'm going to do harm reduction. I'm going to mitigate Trump. I'm going to push Trump to be a normal Republican. Steve and Mnuchin then they didn't. Just, and, but Steve Mnuchin did. Well, that's because he has, he has the lovely Louise Linton. Oh, we love her, folks. Side. That, we, we love Louise Linton. Louise Linton actually, is the gay icon that Jill Biden could never be. <laughs> like, honestly, like, speaking go... as a flaming queer i just no, adore. i'm so dis. okay i'm very disappointed that tr in the trump twitter archive there's no mention of louise linton oh but we hate but the fact that like mnuchin just like signed all the dollar bills with like just block printing because he doesn't have a signature it's so cool he's just like but he's like yeah and he's like a you know a slightly odd looking he's like the kind of like your dad's boss energy yeah. you know what yeah. i mean like, he's just a slightly odd-looking guy. Yeah. And, like, you know, he was the guy that was, like, telling Trump not to invade Venezuela. I love him. Right? He was... He... We love Mnuchin. And, yeah, it was, like, Bon Jovi or whatever on Twitter that was, like, seriously, at Steve Mnuchin is a huge asshole. Or just uh, something completely uncalled for to, like... Don't go arguably, to my boy! Arguably... Arguably the like best member of the Trump administration. Yeah, except for Which, Trump like, again, not. A... I mean, in terms of comedy, okay, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like Trump was more entertaining than everyone else. We're... Although I will admit yeah. that Louise Linton's movie kind of did rock. I haven't watched it. Do it. I think that <laughs> I would watch it and review it, but you know, Chuck yeah, no, we're not the stealing a bit. Like it, literally, so... just watch it for entertainment. It's. It's got fart jokes. Doesn't in it, it have? Do, doesn't it have fucking Chuck Bass from Gossip Girl? Yeah. Isn't he the yeah, guy? Yeah. And fart jokes. God, that fucking that rock. I mean, the fact that like he didn't he get me too. Yeah, this, this is, is like, like his, years his after recent, he got me his, too. His, even. It, but this is his like one of his first roles after getting me too. Is the you know the billionaire wife of the former Treasury Secretary's like passion project? Oh, he was still Treasury Secretary like, when it was being made. Oh, that fucking hose. Yeah. Can you imagine? Anyways. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine, like, going into a movie, ma like, a movie-making process, knowing that your husband is the treasury secretary? I love it. I love her. Like, you can... <laughs> we, we love Louise Linden, love don't her. we, folks? So, uh, speaking of not invading Venezuela. Oh, good segue. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of uh, things that are pink. Mm. There we go. You're very good. Okay. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about what seems to be the sort of second pink tide that we are seeing in South America. We kind of alluded to it at the top of the episode, but we are going to talk about South America. And if you've been, you know, a, a longtime listener, we've kind of 
every couple weeks or so we'll mention oh in brazil this is happening oh in in colombia oh in venezuela and so yeah peru we thought where we had sort of you know get all of these people together we'll talk about sort of the political history in each of these uh, sort of socialists or even in some cases out and out outspoken communists um you know talk about their backstory um sort of what has happened why they're not in power right now in some cases um and i think to to kick things off i mean we can't really talk about south american politics and and specifically left-wing politics without mentioning operation condor which was a cia program that it it was sort of the code name for any of the operations meant to destabilize um left-wing or left supportive governments yeah um condor specifically referred to south america i think they had other names for their yeah well condor was specifically for the southern cone um yeah so that's uh just off the top of my head i might get this wrong but uh brazil chile argentina paraguay uruguay um maybe the guyanas i'm not sure uh and so uh it was basically yeah it was collaborating with the cia uh Quite literally and definitionally, I'm not just saying this. Uh, a, a brutal so, enforcement. Yeah, these are all matters of public policies, right? Which is it's very odd that they're, you know, shooting people and torturing people so that they can institute supposedly free market policies. Yeah, um, like it's it's very it's it's sort of darkly funny that they, f- for the free market, they have to commit these absolute atrocities and you know murder and bomb journalists and you know everything that would supposedly help bring about some sort of liberal you know bring liberal capitalism to south america but that's the thing it like, just so happened maybe the CIA it just so happened that they deluded didn't... themselves into thinking it was going to bring liberal capitalism into south america but all these dictators who supported it supported it because they were personalist dictators and it was literally just getting like weapons and training right. and it, it somebody was, to look the was, other way while I shot and, dissidents. And printing money for them. I know you can't like th- opening up your country's natural resources to America and to Europe um, and, you know, charging, you know, nothing for the personal interest of your country and just getting the, all the power that oh. comes with owning an entire country. Only half of Europe. Right, well, but, you know, getting all that power, you, you're pretty much being paid by the CIA to look the other way while they just raid the coffers of the regular people yeah. in your country. And for a lot of people, that's an attractive offer. And especially if the alternative is to go out like a Lende, right? I end it, but yeah. A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of people did not have the balls to go out like I end So yeah, they would, you know... Or they'd be a general that was fortunate enough to uh, be in the right place at the right time when they wanted someone like Hayende gone, and then you get Augusto Pinochet. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about Chile. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk about Chile right now. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll start with this guy, Hayende, who is notable as the first uh, democratically elected communist in history, a communist leader of a country. Everyone else had either been put in by revolution or by, you know, what the Soviet Union did in Eastern Europe. Um, right, so it's, with with uh, Salvador Allende, it's it's an interesting case, because, yeah, the first democratically elected, uh, like, self-spoken communist. And, in you know, by the way. A, lot of, a lot of sort of psyops around the CIA centered on the fact that things like the Cuban Revolution was not a, demo- they weren't elected democratically. Yeah. Right, that was where a lot of the criticism came from. A lot of the propaganda stemmed from the fact that it was a violent revolution that brought Fidel Castro into power. But that wasn't the case in Chile. Yeah. He was democratically elected, and so I guess the U.S. kind of had to flip the script when it came to unseating him when they started... You know, you can you can read the Jakarta Method by Vincent Bevins um, for something more in-depth, but suffice to say... The U.S. let Pinochet know that they would have, that he would enjoy U.S. support if, hypothetically, Allende was removed from power and Pinochet had to take over the country. That was sort of the official line. And so, 
you know, when Pinochet staged his coup, uh, Allende, you know, went out like an absolute hero. He took about three or four of Pinochet's soldiers with him when he when he died. Um, and and then Chile suffered through one of the most brutal dictatorships in human history. One of the most. Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of reactionaries on um, Twitter and stuff talk about the helicopter thing. That was that. And yeah, so that was what that was Pinochet's preferred method of execution is he'd fly, you know, dissidents well, or suspected communists. I wouldn't say preferred method of execution, but it was it was, the most it was sort of one. a right. It it was sort of his 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 style. Like yes, he would just shoot people, but he was a big fan of yeah, disappearing. Taking you. they just the, dump you in the ocean, disappearing, you never be found. Yeah, they would just throw you out of a helicopter. Yeah. So, you know. Operation Condor, um, little fun fact, the new Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops Cold War, lets you play, like, you can set your character model to be an Operation Condor sniper. It l- explicitly says that he was an Operation Condor. What? Yeah. Hey, I was at the Presidential Palace. I was the one who shot Allende. Yeah. I took part no, in it's... the Dirty War. I shot a bunch of yeah, mothers it's... going to look for their son's bodies, their trade union son's bodies. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, but it's it's crazy because you hear Operation Condor and that sounds like a shitty like three dollar spy novel at the airport. No, it's literally a GI Joe movie. Yeah, like it, you know. Yeah, all of it. It just sounds too action movie to be real or too like spy thriller to be real. Yeah, and so and there are others, right? So in fact, even more brutal than um than Chile was its neighboring country, Argentina. Uh, in fact, Chile was often hostile to Argentina, and we're considering going to war with Argentina before uh, the UK showed up and kicked their shit in for them. Um, all right, all right. Look, all I'm saying... We're not, we're not, we're not going to debate the Falklands War. We're not debating war. <laughs> the Falklands War because it's objectively an absolute good. Oh, my so, fucking God. Um, Argentina this also bit had has gone on for too long. You can't keep saying that. <laughs> it is a, it's incredible like I'll I'll be scrolling through Instagram or whatever and I'll just like see any meme about like Falklands or Margaret Thatcher or whatever and I'll just see you in the comments there like talking about how the Falklands war was entirely justified and pissing off and getting people to be like, "Oh wow, not much of a socialist are you?" just getting people insanely mad at you for saying that. <laughs> it's the funniest thing cuz they're like they're going to start defending uh a brutal right-wing military regime which murdered 60,000 people just to to own the Britbongs. It's the funniest thing. It's so funny. So, um, okay, maybe not 60,000. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Imperialism is good sometimes. Exactly. No, that's it. it. That's it. That's the official Juno Beach line. The official Juno Beach line. Okay, actually, this is not. If you take over a piece of land from a country who has been the only people who have ever lived there, and the people of that country don't want you to be there... And you have to use guns to keep them from fighting back. That's imperialism. In fact, the Falklands War was an anti-imperialist war by the UK. Anyways, moving on. Wow. So <laughs> That's a nuclear <laughs> Dirty war in Argentina. Uh, it's estimated between 9,000 and 30,000 people were killed or quote-unquote disappeared, a.k.a. killed. Um many of whom were impossible to actually, like, formally report due to the nature of, like, actual state terrorism. Um, the primary target, just like everywhere else, were, were, were communists um, and communist sympathizers, fellow travelers. But they also killed, you know, university students, trade unionists, writers, journalists, singers, and any citizens even suspected of being left-wing activists. Uh, in Argentina, of course, that included Peronists, uh, who were left and right-wing. Um, and they disappeared, uh, included those thought to be basically just a political or ideological threat, even vaguely to the junta, um, or those seen as antithetical to, like, neoliberal economic policies. That was, like, again, an actively stated goal of Operation Condor. Um, and so it was just a way for the junta to silence social and political opposition. Um, 
And, of course, this is famously where Pope Francis got his political start, because he got scared and didn't protect somebody, uh, a left-wing priest in the church who ended up dying. Uh, and that's why Pope Francis is now uh, basically a friend of the South American left uh, and a big Pink Tide supporter. Um which is kind of interesting just because he feels so much guilt about uh, essentially getting scared and letting somebody die. Um, I forget exactly what the circumstances were. I didn't write it down for this, but uh, there was some left-wing priest, and uh, because the Argentinian government was so uh, you know desperate to be seen as blessed by the Catholics, they were like, all right, uh, you know, hey, Catholic Church, can you excommunicate this guy? And the Catholic Church was going to excommunicate the guy, and... Pope Francis could have stopped it, but he didn't. Um, he wasn't Pope back then, obviously. It was just in, like, the 70s. So, um, in Brazil, there was this guy, Joao Goulart. I can't pronounce that. I apologize to any Portuguese speakers. Who was the last leftist president in Brazil until this guy Lula, who we're going to talk about in a minute. And he was overthrown in a military coup in 1964. Uh, and, of course, yeah, there were more, like, Stressner and, and Penila and, and stuff. Um, of course... Juntas always fall. Um, it all happened in, like, the 80s, right? So in, in Argentina, it was the Falklands War, which brought down that junta. Um, in Chile, it was just regular democratic pressure, right? Like, in Brazil, same thing. Um, basically, ironically enough, a lot of them just did not manage their economies well. Uh, and Wow. And, whoa, you mean... Wait... You mean to tell me that laissez-faire, completely free market economics, they don't work? Yeah, it's crazy. No It's almost way, like they killed dude. tens of thousands of people but for nothing. I thought, I thought, isn't that what communism does? I thought communism is when you kill a bunch of people because you don't manage the economy properly. No, communism is when you kill a bunch of people so you can manage the economy properly. Oh, so that then it's cool and, and good. Right, it depends on your opinions. <laughs> We're not we're not gonna do a, a whole revisionism debate. Yeah, we're we're not getting into that. So, um, um, then we get well. So yeah, all these these countries sort of uh, are left with very unstable democracies and terrible economies, uh, which are just absolutely dominated and exploited by the United States, um, basically the entirety of South America, um, with the exception of Guyana Francaise because Guyana Francaise is part of France, the last like big colony in the world. Um, so, and obviously did not need to have a right-wing military regime. No, because it was li it was still a cost. And still is to this day. And they're yeah. happy about it. Like, they're fine. They'll just, you know what? They There's not even, it. like, a political party with any seats in the uh, legislature of Guyane Francais that advocates for independence. They're just hanging out. And you know what? If I was I mean, surrounded by, like, Brazil and Suriname... Right, where where you see like, you know, if, if you if you see the neo colonialism happening, why would you want to give up the old colonial? Exactly. Why wouldn't you just hang out and make it as nice as possible? And you know what, like, the French neo colonialists, like neo colonialist France, sucks. But the way the France treats their normal colonies, it's not that bad. Could be could, could be, be worse. worse. It could be the way they treated them fifty years ago. Um. Yeah. So. In, so yeah, we start to get, so according to Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, who is a Pink Tide president herself, the current president actually of Argentina, um, we get uh, these sort of, quote-unquote, three musketeers of the left in South America. And of course, these are very famous people. Uh, you've got Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, who was inaugurated in 1999. You've got uh, Luis Inecio Lula de Silva, or just Lula, in Brazil, who was inaugurated in 2003. And of course... Evo Morales in Bolivia, who was inaugurated in 2006. Um, so we are going to, I think, start with Lula. So this was a guy who, like much of his party, uh, was a big resistor of the military dictatorship uh, in Brazil. Uh, he ran for president three times until he won. Uh, and he was one of the most popular presidents in Brazilian history. Uh, he, unlike, so, so there are sort of, like, two types of Pink Tide presidents, right? There were people like Hugo Chavez, who was just, like, openly antagonistic to capitalists. Not, like, 
people who support capitalism, but like capitalist people with capital. And then yeah. there was Lula da Silva, who uh, sort of tried to thread the needle. So he tried to get social reforms and poverty. Right. He was he was kind of he was like a trade union. Yeah, he was a trade union. And so that was that was his line. So he he sort of threaded what we as you know a a sort of different country with different political parties and, and a different spectrum would he was you you'd call him a social democrat but like a good one he, he yeah not like a not like a, a you know democratic party of america social democrat like uh, trying to yeah get the trade unions and journalists and sort of all these these groups that you really you need for a, a even a democratic revolution you need all these groups on your side. So he had a sort of popular front of everyone, every group that had been persecuted by the previous regime. Yeah. And so he wins the election. And yeah, so he, unlike Chavez, who was just openly antagonistic to the West, um, Lula sort of tries to thread the line between achieving sort of economic prosperity and social equality, which he does very well, and not pissing anyone off. Um, which is... Well, it doesn't work for him, but we'll get into that. Uh, which is why, you know, Hugo Chavez is remembered as, you know, a dictator and super evil and, you know, literally Stalin. And Lula, you know, since he's been out of prison, like, I think nobody's even going to try to get rid of him again. Um, because he's just remembered fondly. Uh, now, Hugo Chavez was able to get, like, their you know, the coup attempts in, in Venezuela failed, so, I mean, take it as you will, right? Um, which one works better? Uh, in Argentina, you get the Kirchners. So, uh, you've got Nestor Kirchner and Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. Uh, so they restored sectoral collective bargaining, they strengthened trade unions. Uh, so, for example, 20% uh, of the workforce was unionized in the 1990s, so 30% in the 2010s. Wages rose for an increasing proportion of the working class. Uh, universal allocation for child, conditional tra uh, cash transfer program um, for people who aren't employed uh, or learn le earn less than the minimum wage. Um, what else do we have here? We've got vaccination programs, uh, which and it ends up covering 2 million poor families. Uh, and by 2015, 29% of all Argentinian children um, so a 2015 analysis by staff at Argentina's National Scientific and Technical Research Council estimated that this program specifically had increased school attendance for children uh, between 15 and 17 by 3.9 percent, which is great. Uh, they also increased social spending significantly. Um, uh, uh, so by 2015, Argentina has the second highest level of social spending as a percentage of GDP in Latin America, only behind Chile. Um, and let's see. The administration's also achieved a drop of 20 percentage points uh, in the proportion of the population living on three U.S. dollars a day or more. So as a result, Argentina became one of the most equal countries in the region, according to the, its G-I-N-I coefficient. I think it's just pronounced G I think it's named after someone named Genie. That would be stupid. I think it's... it's I think it's... I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Genie because we used this, I think, in, in my poli-sci class this year. This is why I stick to history. It, yeah, poli sci is. Uh, poli sci is no literally shit. the only degree you could get in which getting a degree in it makes you worse at it. I mean, fair, look, fair enough. It, it seems like a lot of it's like all of these sort of sociological or philosophical debates, but just like turbocharged, like another level of removed from reality. Yeah. Like political science debates are the epitome, like the academic equivalent of making up a guy and getting mad yeah. at him. So I, I just I think it's a bit of a, a silly major, yeah. but um, I'm not judging you. In any no, I'm not majoring in politics. Okay, good, good, good. Um, yeah. so yeah, you also get of course everyone's favorite Ava Morales. Oh, we love him, don't yep. we, folks? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's Ava Morales. Um, the guy that sank Bernie Sanders' 2020 campaign. So I will be, um, you know. I will be violently against his regime um, because he, you know, sunk Bernie Sanders' campaign by being nice to him. Yep. <laughs> right? How how dare this socialist be nice to Bernie Sanders? Um. So 
he yeah, elected in 2003, it was praised internationally for its reduction of poverty, economic growth, and improvement of indigenous women and LGBTQ plus rights, uh, and the very sort of traditionally-minded Bolivian society. Uh, of course, Ava Morales is indigenous himself, and we'll get to what they did to him in 2019 soon. So during his first five years in office, uh, Bolivia's, I'm just going with you here, Declan, Gini coefficient saw an unusually sharp reduction from 0.6 to 0.47, indicating... 0.47 is lower than the United States. Yeah. Uh, The United States has 0.48. Yeah, so there's less income inequality as a result of Morales' policies than in the United States. Um, So let's talk about how some of these people were removed. Because they were. Every single one of the... Well, Chavez, no, they tried, but they didn't work. Um, and his successor in Maduro, they tried, but it didn't work. But Morales and Lula were both taken out in coups. One uh, military and one judicial. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, and we're also going to talk about Venezuela. So in Brazil, you get this thing called Operation Pink Tide. Um, and before I get into this, I just want to say... I know a lot of people like to make fun of Glenn Greenwald on Twitter at this point for being a dweeb. But, I mean, to be... F- no, I, I'm going to stop you because I think it is very much warranted. No, I know. No, no. Listen, listen. He's made a complete... He yeah. is a complete dweeb. But it's also important to remember that he does some of the greatest investigative journalism in the world. I think it's fair to say that he, he has done some of the best investigative sure. journalism in the world. We'll, we'll leave it yeah. at that because I don't think what he like him going on fucking tucker carlson is necessarily a good thing i think it's funny i think no i think i think I, you should keep going funny. on on cocker on cocker um i think though that tweeting about like uh he gets in a ama- like he gets an insanely vicious like near attendant and level twitter fights with just like random accounts like on a because he basis. thinks that like too much trans rights is homophobic yeah which rocks. Like, he's just insane. It's, like, he's just... Yeah, he's become, like, a transphobic crank at this it's point. It's funny. But this is the guy that leaked all the snow... He was the guy that Snowden went to. Yeah, and he's the guy who exposed <laughs> all the shit that we're about to tell you about in uh, Brazil. So, um... You know. Funny guy. Um... Yeah, definitely an interesting character. I, as I say... One of those... Never trust cis white gay men. Wait, I'm not allowed to laugh. No, you are. I give you permission to laugh at that. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Speaking as somebody who is very close to that. Well, not very close, but pretty close to that. So, um, Operation Car Wash in Brazil was this, first of all, stupid name. Stupid, stupid name. Uh, An anti-corruption campaign, a judicial campaign of of quote-unquote anti-corruption. But it was really, it was this... Uh, judicial campaign supported and later turns out organized by the far right um, as an effort to purge the left from the country under the guise of anti-corruption. So the chief judge of this thing is this guy named Sergio Moro, who for a time was a Brazilian national hero until Glenn Greenwald leaks all this shit. Um, And he was sort of like the chief judge judge in Operation Car Wash, uh, and after it's over he would receive uh, a high up position in Jair Bolsonaro's cabinet when Bolsonaro becomes president. right, and because you have to remember that at this, you know, it was sort of a a not so secret that Brazilian government was among, you know, not I don't want to say I don't think it's fair to say among the most corrupt in the world, but it was incredibly corrupt. It still is, and so yeah, and any judge that would be willing to stand up to that corruption would instantly become a national hero. Yeah. Right. So that was that was the idea, and that was how Bolsonaro sort of found his way to power. Yeah. This was well, Bolsonaro was only president because Lula was put in prison. Right. By being an anti-corruption guy, which in general is a fairly popular sentiment. I mean, a lot of people perceive this accurately that the systems that they live under are corrupt, and they think. Oh well, we'll just elect the the anti-corruption guy, and he'll fix all the problems. Yeah, he'll fix all the problems. There'll be more money for us people because that's where the money is going to yeah. go, and life will be yeah. better. I mean, it's 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 fairly simple logic, but it's there's a clear line of thinking. There. Yeah. So, but he, here's and, the thing. 
Sergio Moro was not impartial. I mean, I just said how he would receive a cabinet position in Bolsonaro's government. But there's some other interesting things in here. So, for example, his chief of staff had, by the way, before he uh, convicted uh, Lula, had posted uh, on her Facebook page a petition calling for Lula's imprisonment. And the presiding judge of the appellate panel had praised Moro's decision to convict Lula for corruption before Moro had even issued his decision. Um, and on the 9th of June, 2019, The Intercept, Glenn Greenwald, published leaked telegram messages between Moro and the Opera and Operation Car Wash lead prosecutor, Delton Delignol. Yes, the lead judge of Operation Car Wash talking to the lead prosecutor of Operation Car Wash, in which Moro sent advice and instructions to the prosecutor in order to interfere in the investigation that ultimately led to the trial and imprisonment of Lula de Silva. So, yes, the judge was giving advice to the prosecutor. Here is how you argue your case so that I, will, I can convict this guy. This former president... I mean one of the most popular figures in Brazilian politics ever, who was going to run against Jair Bolsonaro for president of Brazil, and probably going to win. But couldn't if he was in prison, because he wouldn't be allowed to run. Meaning that Bolsonaro would have to run against a new candidate who he could just say was corrupt. Right? On June the 12th, a Brazilian conservative magazine, right? Not some left-wing type of thing like The Intercept, but a conservative magazine, who would normally like type of people like Bolsonaro, especially because in Brazil, conservatism often means, oh yeah, the military dictatorship, that wasn't so bad, right? Yeah, like, oh, remember um, that myth that we have of those communists that um, are actually also satanic and uh, slit the throats of all these innocent women and children when they took over? Yeah, um, you know, they, they were bad, and so we don't like those guys, and to, we don't want them coming back, so we're just going to imprison journalists and you know shit like and that and a former president but we're also we're also very christian yeah. so um so yeah this was in a magazine that should be pretty nice to bolsonaro this is magazine vea uh they published a report accusing moro of illegally steering prosecutors as their work to convict brazilian politicians and overstepping his role as a judge um claiming that his journalists had spent a fortnight pouring his journalists had spent two weeks pouring over the nearly 650,000 leaked messages between officials involved in the investigation and concluded the former judge was guilty of serious irregularities. Um, so then the international court, because, you know, the appellate court was rigged, because the Supreme Court was rigged, Lula's lawyers appealed to the United Nations and the international courts. Uh, they basically say, hey, this guy's a political prisoner. They uh, allege coercive conduct against him, uh, forcing him to step down, the uh, leaking of confidential data to the press, the leaking of illegally obtained phone conversation recordings to the press, and abusive strategy of temporary and preemptive imprisonments in order to, to obtain plea bargaining deals implicating him. Uh, they determined, so the, the international courts do end up determining that former President Lula's political rights were unfairly stripped, uh, and that he should have been allowed to run for president even when he was in prison, in 2018. Um, of course, Pope Francis, who is a friend of the left, does end up meeting with three of Lula's allies after his arrest. And so more on Lula later, because this guy's about to make a comeback to her, which kind of rocks. Yeah, he's, he's you know, he's he's left his flop era. Um, it's, a, it's a new era for Lula, and we, we really love to see it. Yeah, like he, he and, put uh, out Jesus is King, but he's finally about to release Yandi. So... Let's move on to I Venezuela. Mean, that's that's not a bad analogy. Yeah, so... Oh, Venezuela, I think, is... Funny. Kind of? No, it's funny purely in that, like, the guy they used ended up being the biggest loser. Yeah. I mean, he... Guaido is an incredibly funny guy. Like, he... He's the Beto O'Rourke of South looks America. Looks like him, too. As a... Like, looks fucked up. Yeah. He's just, yeah, like, a slightly off-looking guy. Like... Definitely not like a you know, Maduro's a big boy. Look, Juan Guaido like, and Maduro are like the two different types of middle-aged gay men. By appearance alone. <laughs> but, 
I I am so excited (laughs) to just like now that I've realized that I'm allowed to make these types of jokes. I'm so excited to make them all the time. This is we're actually synthesizing Chapo and seeking derangements exactly. But anyway, so yeah, I was gonna say that Maduro like he's a he's he's a big guy. He's not like he's not fat or anything. He's 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 a big guy. And Guido Guido is just like a. A sort of yeah, he's built like Pete Buttigieg. Like he's not like obviously skinny or anything, but he's just like he doesn't quite command like the same presence as Maduro does. Joe Biden is one point eight meters tall, and Maduro is one point nine meters tall. Hell yeah, two meters. But um, I mean we we can link. Um, I forget what episode we did. Um, so he's about your height, I guess. Which, the attempted coup in in Venezuela by a bunch of French Canadian no just one French Canadian uh, loser ba- and a bunch of Americans the, oh yeah right the Bay of Chuds invasion yeah. um but we'll we'll link the episode in the description so you guys can go back and listen to that because we did talk a lot about the sort of failed invade aquatic invasion of Venezuela I mean what makes you think that you're different from like th- that like thirty dudes will be different from the 1300 that tried and failed to invade a smaller country with a smaller military. Yeah. Like, what makes you think you'll be different? Although, in fairness, but, in fairness, like, Fidel Castro is just cooler than Maduro. But, yeah, no, but, for sure. the, the, the Silver Corp guys, they didn't even lose to the military, the Venezuelan military or the Venezuelan police. They lost to a bunch of fucking fishermen. Well, yeah, it was like the Bay of Pigs on steroids because they thought that they were going to get like some sort of CIA dead drop, yeah. which never obviously never ended up happening. Yeah. So they set Operation off. Operation Gideon. Yeah, that's oh, that rocks. I mean, honestly, like I think it was I think the episode was called Grill Pilled Coop yep. Plotting. Or that's coup exactly plotting. it. So if you scroll down uh, a ways back into the. The uh, the deep cuts of the Juno. The plan involved that, uh... entering the country by boat into Makuto Port in order to take control of Simon Bolivar International Airport in Maqueda, capture Maduro and other high-level figures in his government, and expel them from the country. Again, 30 guys trying The operation this. had been infiltrated by supporters of the Maduro government early on. That's That rocks. Uh, commentators Imagine and observers, a... including Guaido officials who initially contacted Silver Corp, described the operation as amateurish, underfunded, poorly planned, having little or no chance of success in a suicide mission. Imagine, imagine like, yeah, being a CIA asset and still getting outmaneuvered by the Maduro government who really doesn't, like, suspect you all that much. Like, you're just some random defense contractor that he probably doesn't think twice about. Yeah. And... You just get fucking owned by fishermen before you even get close to your mission objective. Yeah. I mean, that's just American exceptionalism. It's so cool. It's like, oh, I'm a I'm a lone wolf operator. Me and, and 29 of my closest buddies are going to go overthrow a sovereign South American country. No, it's country. literally like that fucking Expendables movie. I get, yeah. No, it is, like... They're just trying to live out, like, an action movie thing. Like, all these, like, middle-aged guys who used to be in the Green Berets and are just, like, getting a little bit puffier right. around the But stomach. again, because it's, like, an action movie for them, but because action movies are shittier now, it was a shittier okay, invasion. Okay, I liked Expendables. Watching it back, Expendables I realized it's pretty was okay. shitty, but, like, I enjoyed it. But, like... Not I. I think we were. I I rewatched and then re-listened to our Red Dawn review, uh, the other day because you know that's what normal people do is they go back and re-listen to their old podcast yeah. episodes. Um, but I I don't think we were fair enough to Red Dawn. It is a very good action movie. Yeah, like it is good. Probably Red Dawn twenty twelve. I agree. I love that film. No, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. The original. The original Red Dawn is very good. Yeah, the new one obviously sucked, but, like, what did you expect? They had to go from China to North Korea over the course of, like, three months because they wanted to give it a a Chinese theatrical release. Anyways, so, um, basically, since, what, like, 2017, um, the Guaido, this guy named Juan Guaido has, oh, 2019, wow, that's so soon. Uh, has claimed to be the legitimate president of uh, Venezuela. He's tried a few coups. 
Um, and he's recognized yeah. by uh, a bunch of countries, including, unfortunately, Canada. Um, but it's very clearly just an oil coup attempt. Uh, but they haven't even, like, they haven't even uh, arrested him or anything. Um, no, he's just, he's, well, they, it's kind of like what the U.S. did with Batista. Yeah. Where they kind of let him leave and made sure that he was kind of unbothered by, you know, in, in Batista's case, the Cuban um, military. But they're not going to, you know, he had his shot. He had several and he, shots. And he blew it. And he blew it. So they're not going to give him another yeah. chance. And I, I really right, like how, as of early January 2021, the entire EU has stopped recognizing Guaido, but they also don't recognize Maduro. Yeah. Yeah, Venezuela is just a country. Yeah. There's no, like, head of state. It's, it's just sort of... Actually, Venezuela is a constitutional monarchy within the, con the Commonwealth of Nations. But they don't recognize a, a parliamentary no, leader. which is rocks. Or, like, a head of state, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, we have... I mean, Bolivia is, you know, a bit, I'm probably a bit fresher in a lot of our, our listeners' minds. Yeah, I mean, you probably remember. Whenever we talk about South America, we got to touch on Bolivia, partially because um, I think most recently we would have talked about when Janine Inez was imprisoned, which I think was in... I want to say February. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Bolivia specifically is an interesting case because we talk a lot about, oh, haha, U.S. oil. Yeah. Um, but this is sort of the new frontier, I guess, as electric cars and, you know, we just, we need more lithium batteries for things. Mm -hmm. um, lithium has become a very sought after resource. And I actually, I have this, um, it's like an old chemistry textbook. Um, I don't know how I got my hands on it. I, I could not tell you, but it's, I think it's from like the early 2000s right. and it mentions in the, the page for lithium that um, Bolivia has huge natural reserves of lithium and that if lithium batteries um, quote ever take off or become widespread, widely used, that it will be a very, um, a very rich country, which is a, a hilariously naive way of looking at the world. That's naive. It's also just kind of a funny uh, sort of foreshadowing. Right. Yeah. So with with regards to Bolivia, they have huge... I mean, I for one of my papers uh, this semester, I actually had to go digging through the U.S. Um, like Ministry of Natural oh, Resources no. and find the report. Because that's shit you have to cite, yeah. right, in an actual academic paper. So... We like I had to go through this, like thank God for Control F because if it was the '80s and I would have had to request this report yeah. or find a copy of it in the library and go through 500 pages just to find the lithium page and then find out where Bolivia yeah. is, it would have been mm -hmm. horrifying. But in any case, Bolivia, lots of lithium, and that means that the U.S. has a very vested interest and. Specifically, um, uh, this guy that you might have heard of, um, he's he, the SNL host. Oh uh, yeah, Elon yeah, yeah, Musk. yeah. Yeah, he he played he played Wario in in that one SNL sketch. Um, you know, he actually makes electric cars too. Huh. So he so obviously because this SNL host is making electric cars, he um he has a vested interest in making sure that lithium prices are very low. Made the funniest tweet and ever. Part of that, yeah, includes. Um, ensuring that any government that would, say, nationalize lithium production and get U.S. companies out of it, therefore raising international prices by, you know, lowering supply, he would not like that very much. That is not good for his bottom line. And so that would maybe compel this SNL host to tweet something along the lines of, we will coup whoever we want, deal with it. Which, as far as billionaire, like, orchestrators of immense violence is a pretty like 21st century way of going like you know you had like the rockefellers that would like pay off like st strike breakers to go and like destroy these encampments right mm -hmm. but that at least was like they knew what they were doing was bad but they didn't have to justify it to people it was just what they had yeah. to do it was like oh we just can't have this cost to business with elon musk he's on twitter and he's talking about 
we'll coup whoever we want. Deal with well, it. Well, it's like, like it's like out of the. It's like way more out in the open. He just does well, not care because what is anyone going to do he's, about he's, it? Right. I think that's something right. that. Uh, oh God! Here we go. But he's so far removed from like needing like, you know, with, obviously with the Rockefellers and everything, it's not a secret. Well, I was about to say right? like, and it never was a secret, but it wasn't like an acknowledged yeah. thing. It was just like, oh, you know, it's it's um, the work, the strike is over. Right or the, you know, oh, all these people were killed by Pinkertons. Right, the the security of the factory. Yeah, but I, I, I and, was just gonna say like, uh, I think that the Red Scare lady said this that Elon Musk is just so unassuming and like naive. Like he's, a, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a not a disarming. scheming guy. Like yes, he's evil, but he's like he's like a a dumb smart guy, right? And oh, and for so sure. he, I don't think he would like like straight up admitting to it is like normal for him i don't think he would ever like i think the right word for elon musk is incurious yeah he doesn't critically think about any like and that's just what happens when your generational wealth is billions and billions of cobalt mines emerald mines in africa well co- I, isn't it no, probably? probably in any case when you have just that raw exploitation powering your family to do whatever you want, of course you're not going to think critically about the system. I like, can't even make gay jokes like, about Elon Musk. That guy's the straightest guy ever. Of course you're... Uh, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, you know, he's dating Grimes. Yeah, well, that's the funniest thing, that Grimes uses they-them pronouns. And so, like, whenever Elon Musk goes in an anti-pronoun rant, it's like, bro, what is... You have a child with... Yeah. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah, again, a very deeply incurious man. Yep. But um he tweeted out um that yes, we will coo whoever we want, deal with so it. So funny. Um I also I had to cite that tweet in my in that same paper. That's so cool. <laughs> Cuz I was talking about Bolivia and, and how the US um, you know, keeps keeps doing this sort yeah. of thing. So let's talk about um, the future. Yeah, so well, we're gonna talk. I wanted to talk a little bit about Janine Inez because the, okay, it, fine. Her story is absolutely incredible. I just think we're kind I mean, of running out of time, so yeah, maybe. But Janine Inez, um, she's now in prison, and it was very funny to see the manufacturing consent machines uh, spinning up when she was imprisoned, as though those same manufacturing consent machines weren't like, oh yeah, it is completely justified for the FBI to lock up the Capitol Hill rioters away forever. Yeah. Or like the Capitol, the Capitol Hill riot. <laughs> yeah, lock up the people in the in the chairs. Mm. But anyway, I just think it's it was very funny to see. Yeah, that as soon as she was imprisoned, it was you know oh we're we're Tony Blinken was like yeah we're we're looking into Bolivia and we're gonna make sure that this is a fair trial, which means we're gonna send in. Op, you know, we're gonna start a, a psyop to to make sure that the judges yeah. rule the way that we want them to. Mm-hmm. But as as at the time of recording, uh, Janine Inez is in prison. Ooh. We've locked her up, folks. She's in prison. She's behind bars. Um, but that's what you got for doing a coup? And yeah, so we now have um. Oh dear God, uh, Luis. Arce? Uh, let me... I think so. Arce? Arce, 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 Arce um, who is part of the, okay. the MA... Louis Alberto Arce Catacora. Or Catacora. I don't know. Whatever. Right, so he is the same party as Evo Morales. I mean, Evo Morales was still, is still ousted, so he's still in poli- in Bolivian politics, but... He didn't run any um, election. Luis Arce was, I, I guess, sort of the... Maybe the, the closest thing you could say is like a deputy minister in, in Canada, and so he was... He ran um, for the MAS for for president, and, he and he's won, good. Like when he was minister me. of finance, like he was overseeing the economic growth. He's a bit of a technocrat, but that's fine. Yeah. So the MAS is the movement movement for socialism party in Bolivia, which we don't really need to explain what they're for. Yeah. Um, I think they're a movement for socialism. Yeah. So, you know, Janine Inez in prison. Um, you know, because she attempted to overthrow a democratically elected government well she did (laughs) yeah fuck around and find out she did overthrow um 
but I guess we want to kind of end the episode with... We don't end a lot of episodes with hope. But we do. I've, I get... We are now, but we don't end a lot with hope. And now I think we're going to talk about this sort of second pink tide. Um, in the same way that the Kirkners, uh, Lula, and Morales were all elected within a similar span of time. We have, you know, in Chile, there... <laughs> is an active, very active communist party that is gaining traction rapidly. Um, which, you know, all I'll say with regards to that is, Oh, I've seen this one before. It's a classic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and the mayoralty of Santiago, which is the capital and the largest city in Chile was won by one Erasi Hassler, who is an sort of a outspoken communist. Yeah. Um, she doesn't shy well, away. She's from literally a member of the party. Yeah, she she rocks. So, I mean, it's it's difficult to call at this stage. Yeah. So There's, to do you could know, do well, and if he loses, he will lose to a more moderate leftist who is famous for Naruto running through the. God, damn it! Who is famous yeah. for Naruto running through the uh, Chilean legislature, which I just absolutely is that hate. not? I was like, oh, it's cute. Is that not just? Is that not just a Kristen cinema? Like, if she actually got well, power? She, no, because she's actually, like, a democratic socialist. She's like Kristen cinema if Kristen cinema didn't change her opinions. Yeah, okay. Um, but, in any case, I mean, Chile, hard to call. I mean, obviously, there's an ongoing, like, there's an election campaign going on right now. So, I guess all we can really say with regards to Chile is... Good luck to do. Yeah, tune in in a couple months. We'll we'll have some coverage yeah. of that. Um, in Brazil, Lula has made his triumphant return. Yeah, he's gotten out of prison. Um, uh, eventually, totally it was exonerated. That every single one of the charges against him had to be dropped. Yeah, totally exonerated. Uh, like, uh, fuck, what was his name? Uh, the guy that OJ Simpson, uh, Reverend Warnock. No, the guy that Reverend Warnock was um, against in the Georgia Senate runoff, where he he had on his website that he was like totally exonerated or so, something like that with regards to whatever corruption charges. I don't have. know, but I, I know here talking, but about on a more Dave serious Perdue note or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's stupid. Lula. Lula is polling around f at 41% compared to 23%. And that's insane by the way, in a country with uh, rounds and voting, like normally a successful poll would be if you were sitting at around 23% because that gives you a yeah. strong start in the second round, but to have 41%, is insane. And I think it, part of that is Bolsonaro is, you know, I don't want to say widely hated because there are Brazilians that support him, but it would be difficult to support Bolsonaro after you witness firsthand what his coronavirus response did. What, gave him COVID four it, times? Well, that's the only good part. That's... That's the only enjoyable part of, of COVID in Brazil that happened is, yeah, when he, it would be a new news story every, yeah, couple weeks that Jair Bolsonaro was tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah. Or when there would be all the, the videos of, like, the journalists trying to ask him questions and he, like, when he was, he was COVID positive and there were these journalists trying to interview him and then he took off his mask and started walking towards them and they ran away. Literally so funny. What a loser. Yeah. I mean... He, you guys have probably seen the episode art by now. It's uh, the pink tide is really fucking over Bolsonaro, which I mean we love to yep. see. He's gonna go. Um, and finally, we have um, we we kind of neglected to mention Peru. Yeah. Um, which you know. It, well, it's because the left wing guy in Peru is like really fucked up. Like he's right, spooky. The, like, that election, yeah. yeah, you have a Fujimori running, like, the daughter of jailed Peruvian far-right dictator Fujimori, and one of her campaign platforms is to let her dad out of prison against a guy who is, like, openly associated with an organization that literally boiled babies alive. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't... The, the Shining Path... I don't know if... The Shining Path is, like, probably the best case against, like any sort of like Maoist third worldism yeah. because that, that is like, I think, the, you know, for as much shit as we give Twitter Maoists 
at least, yeah, they aren't boiling baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, fine. Allegedly boiling babies. Even though yeah, um, Gonzalo was like, yeah, we did it, but we had to. Yeah. It, it's very funny that the... I forget which Canadian Communist Party is, like, the honeypot one. Mm. But they were literally, like, posting graffiti on Twitter of, like, uphold Gonzalo thought or whatever. No. <laughs> yeah. But he... But he boiled babies. Like, yeah, he was fighting honey against pot, a gross but, regime, but he boiled babies to death. Those those honeypot those honeypot regime those honeypot parties don't care, right? Like they know anyone that is actually psycho enough to join the party that's tr- attempting to uphold Look, Gonzalo. Thought any any communist party as, should have an eye kept in them. Canada, except for like maybe fight back. I have no respect for. Fight back, they're, they're trots, aren't they? They're like NDP trots, yeah. I I know, like, because we, uh, we march in the Labor Day Parade every every year, and so they're always there with their pamphlets and God, stuff. God, they will not stop sending me fucking emails. I talked to one I'm... of their guys once, and he was like, hey, I want to send you an email to see if you want to come to a meeting. And I was like, all right, you know, no, I'll do that. And so I gave a... the guy my email. I wrote it on his list. I thought he was going to send me one email, he, which he did. Uh... And they send me an email, like, every fucking day. Have I ever told you my Falun Gong story? No. Okay, so I was, like, 11 or 12 years old. I was walking home from school. Um, I don't really want to dox myself, but I was walking down Bloor Street. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty big street. It's not really a dox. But I'm walking down Bloor Street, and there's Falun Gong protesters, oh. like, the, the pro-Falun Gong people. And I just see all this imagery of like, oh, they're holding the signs that like they're harvesting organs and shit like that. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of messed up. And so one of the one of the protesters comes up to me and he's like, uh, hey, can you sign this petition? And I'm like, oh, what's it for? And we're like, he's like, oh, we're, we're against the, the Chinese communists. Like they're harvesting the organs of our of people in our organization. I'm like, wow, that's really messed up. Again, I'm like 11 yeah, yeah, yeah. or 12. <laughs> And so, yeah, I signed, I think I put my name, I don't know, I think it was just my name, but there's a a very strong chance, like, I don't want to, I think it'd be dramatic for me to say that my life is in danger if I go to China because of this, but my name is on a list somewhere. If the Chinese ever take Literally, over, you're going to go on the first purge. If the Chinese, if the Chinese ever take over and they find that Falun Gong petition. I'm You're done. done. That's it. <laughs> um. Oh man, I that that had just I just remembered that like a week ago, and I've just been I've been sitting on it because in hindsight, it's such a hilarious thing. This like forty five year old dude walking up to a a twelve year old, and being like, "Hey, sign this petition. They're harvesting my people's organs." And I'm like, "Here's Hell a yeah, tip, dude. That that's kind of fucked tip, up." By the way, if you ever see like a Falun Gong group or like an anti-trans group or whatever, and they want you to sign a petition, here's how you can be a great ally. Take the clipboard and run. <laughs> Literally. No, I'm not even joking. I'm, because they don't copy that stuff until they go back to their offices. So if they have like 100 signatures on there, that's 100 signatures lost. It's 100 signatures that they're never going to get back. So you take the clipboard and you run, or if you're, like, by a lake or whatever, you throw it in the lake. I don't care, but it is genuinely one of the best ways you can be an ally to... That is direct action. It is direct action. Like, obviously, like, I couldn't, because I fucking wear makeup in public, and they wouldn't ask me to sign an anti-trans thing or Falun Gong, they're all fat. I could could absolutely pass. I think I could pass as a transphobe. Absolutely. If I... If I put on, like, a mesh, like, hockey hat and, like, some pit viper sunglasses and, like, yeah, like a hockey, well, you don't like even a hockey need, jersey like... and just, like, walk around downtown, someone would come up to me with either, like, an anti-mask or, a, like, an anti-trans rights But uh, even, I think even I beyond pass. that, like, if you just, like, actually go up to them and talk to them and then you, like, pretend to be agreeable and then you just fucking take their clipboard, like... They won't care what you look like. It's such like a, I feel like it, it would be like the kind of thing where you don't, you like, oh, can I, like, you know, you take the clipboard to sign it and then, yeah, and then you book it because like, what do you, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Like you chase out and give me my fucking clipboard back. You, you have, you have a waiting car so you can just take off with the clipboard. <laughs> 
Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's there's your tip so, of yeah, the day gonna, for being a good ally to yeah steal the clipboard. Yeah, that's steal the clipboards. Uh, um, so I think that's about it. It's too bad. That yeah, was the best part of the episode. It's too bad it's at the end. Um, yeah, man. Our, all the listeners that will have tuned out after we um, had spent so long talking about Operation Condor, they they got to miss one of my one of my best uh, stories. And I think a really just and an excellent a tip. really good That's, tip. Look, maybe maybe what we'll start doing is we'll start taking audio clips and uh, uh, putting them out to promote the podcast. Oh, like like what bad faith? Yeah, does. that's a good idea. Actually, we might, I might I think, do that. But I think for that to work, we would have to. We could, I guess, we could record like our no, audio no, no, we're not. We could just put it idea. against the Juno Beach logo. I guess. All right. Anyways, anyway, I've been Malcolm though. Um, I've been Declan, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>